this is the time to put your best self forward. And that is what we all hopefully are doing inside is bringing the best out of ourselves and moving forward, whether it be in a personal sense or in a business sense. Putting your best self forward isn't always easy, especially in the midst of a pandemic. But my guests today can help. They've got some great ideas about how we can be better to ourselves and to each other as we navigate this new normal. I just want to make sure I hold on to that feeling of slowing everything down and appreciating things more. Coming up, my conversation with Monique Capanelli and Stephen Orr. You'll hear useful tips on taking care of yourself, your loved ones, and your home so that you can be at your best in your business. I'm David Fisher, and you're listening to Boost My Business, brought to you by Boost with Facebook. As Chief Revenue Officer, I get to meet and connect with all kinds of people, from CEOs of major corporations to entrepreneurs and small business owners. It's the part of my job that I love most and something I want to share with you through this podcast. I'll bring together unexpected pairings of small business owners and industry leaders to explore surprising parallels in values, experiences, and ideas. In addition to powerful conversations, I'll share practical tips and takeaways to help you on your business journey, whether you run a local business or a global enterprise. Maybe this situation sounds familiar to you. You're sheltered in place. You've spent weeks at your home. And that home is now also an office, a school, and maybe even a home gym. With people spending more time at home and investing in their spaces, many in the home decor industry are actually feeling the impact of this demand and facing unique challenges. My guests today are two home and gardening pros who are each familiar with the challenges facing the industry and who have distinct lessons to share. Monique Capanelli is a self-described art-trepreneur who launched her company, Articulture Designs, out of her home a little over 10 years ago. Since then, the Austin-based design firm and plant boutique has grown into a 2,200-square-foot studio where Monique remains the creative force. Her inspired creations range from breathtaking 20-foot-tall living walls to beautifully crafted wood coffee tables with live succulents embedded within. Monique, it's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. You can say that my second guest knows a thing or two about the home and gardening space. Stephen Orr is the editor-in-chief of Better Homes and Gardens, as well as VP and Group Editorial Director at its publisher, the Meredith Corporation. He has over 25 years of experience in content and design, having worked at some of the media industry's most recognizable brands. Stephen is also the author of several books, including, most recently, The New American Herbal. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Monique, I love how you use plants to bring unexpected spaces like walls or furniture to life. But you sort of discovered this talent and love for horticulture by accident. Can you share with us the story behind that? Sure. Yeah, it is kind of a little bit where preparation meets opportunity for sure. You know, I, I've always been a plant lover. I grew up with a family that was very avid gardeners. My dad had a restaurant in California, so he grew a lot of his own food for that restaurant and taught me at an early age, not only for the love of plants, but 
how to care for them, propagate, and just how nature interacts with them naturally. And so as I grew older and I was really struggling to find my path, at the time I was bartending downtown in Austin at a fine dining restaurant and was trying to make a, a little bit more money. And my boss was like, no, I'm not going to give you a raise, but I'll give you some more work. And I was like, well, okay, sure. You know, what do you got? And he's like, well, why don't you start doing the big floral arrangements in the lobby and take over some arrangements for, for banquets that were coming in. So of course I was like, absolutely, I could do that. And, and I started doing it and people were like, wow, that's really amazing. That's great. And I just really kind of had a, a natural knack for it. And really at that moment was like, huh, this is interesting because it really is combining my love of plants, but also my love of art. Those worlds literally collided when I started to get feedback that was positive to that. And I thought, okay, let's, let's try this. And I tried early to launch a company that was called Plantworks by Monique early on. And, and I learned right away that I didn't know everything that I thought I did. And I had to hone not only what I wanted to sell, but how I wanted to sell it and who I wanted to sell to. And then I launched Articulture and had some clients that hired me right away to do some, some landscape installations and some small kind of container gardenings and balconies downtown. And it really allowed me to get a foothold. And at that point, I had already, you know, done a lot of legwork. So from there, Articulture was born and she still grows. So tell us a little bit what Articulture looked like just before the pandemic and what it looks like now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, before the pandemic, we were really growing. We were busier than ever. We were growing not only in Texas, but also nationally. And right before the pandemic was South by Southwest. And, and those of you know, South by Southwest is a very large festival. It comes into Austin and it really is quite lucrative for people in the event industry like ourselves. So when that got canceled and the pandemic and the lockdown in late March happened in Austin, it was like a screeching halt. And it was really scary because I didn't know what was going to happen like most people. And after the first couple of weeks, I realized right away, you know, I've got to get back on this horse. You know, if I don't kind of have a new pivot of direction here, we're going to suffer. So it was a lot of things that we did in order to make ourselves still available to people. And now it looks a lot different. You know, we're a lot more virtual. My classes, our online store is more robust and also the management of, of kind of a team at this time is very different. And what you are kind of cradling, not just, you know, working revenue and your clients and things like that, but, but the emotional state and the status of managing employees is, is very different. Stephen, turning to you as editor-in-chief of Better Homes and Gardens, a magazine with a strong brand, and I suspect you probably had a pulse before the pandemic of how to run it and what subscribers wanted. Can you talk a little bit about how the content you're producing and your approach may have changed over the course of the pandemic and maybe some ways it hasn't? We, you know, you don't have a choice when it comes at you so quickly like it did for Monique. I'm in New York City right now and I'm also based in Des Moines. And when the pandemic hit New York City, I was here and it did feel like a hurricane was heading our way with no expectation of what was gonna happen. And so we were at work one day, and then one day we weren't. We were working virtually at home. So literally on a Friday, we left the office and thought we'd come back on Monday. And then on the following Monday, we were told, don't come in the office in, in Des Moines, Iowa, or in New York City. And so since that day, 
I've been so proud of our teams. Everybody's been able to close the magazine and do our digital properties and a lot of things from home right out the gate. What I've been so impressed with is, is, so I oversee Better Homes and Gardens, which is we mail out just under 8 million copies of the paper magazine a month. And then with our digital and everything else, we're around 40 million as an audience. So we're actually the largest uh, monthly consumer magazine in the world. So it's a big responsibility to keep our readers in mind while we're still trying to serve their needs. So I'd say the nice nature of working as we do now as a multi-platform brand is that digitally we could immediately pivot to COVID content about cleaning. We could get on any sort of trend or start a trend. You know, we could do the sourdough trend. We could do any trend that was coming our way as people tried to make themselves happy during lockdown. And then also in the print magazine, we, we had to be careful because we work about three months in advance. So to create a magazine right now where I'm, I'm literally am like pitching a ball into kind of a time machine portal with every issue, trying to imagine how it will land. So right now we're doing the December. So we're doing the Christmas holidays and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. And we're pitching that forward and we have to be very careful because we don't know what the world will look like. All we do know is that better, and we're lucky here, Better Homes and Gardens as a brand is protected from tackling serious topics. It's not what the brand's about. The brand is about making people happy at home and comfortable and safe and inspired in their houses. So we're in a great spot compared to other magazines that have things that are more challenged by the pandemic. So for us, we just tried to really nestle into what we do best, which is making people happy. And we came up with some specific things I can talk about a little bit. And I'm sure Monique has them as well, which is, you know, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. So during the pandemic, we've come up with some really great new ideas that we love that we wouldn't have come up with without the pandemic. So that's my long-winded answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's jump into that, Stephen. Why don't you share one or two of those ideas that you've come up with us? One of the things, I, I'm pretty conscious of my mood and I feel naturally buoyant normally, but during the darkest days of the pandemic, when the ambulances were going down my street, it just really felt like there was a plague outside. It felt like that old movie, The Ten Commandments, where the black fog is going through the streets, you know, um, with the old printer, if anyone remembers that old movie. And it felt like that when you left the house. It felt like going to, you know, the trash compactor chute just 20 feet outside my apartment was kind of an endeavor. And I started to feel weighed down. And a few times I burst into tears for ways I didn't know. I would just be so overwhelmed with the stories of human tragedy and my neighbors and I could see what was happening. So I just was like, I can't dwell in this spot. I have to find a way to be happy. And so I started doing things to make myself happy. And I did what a lot of people do. It's like, I love to cook, but I'm a hot mess in the kitchen. I'm like a whirling dervish. Like my husband's like, why is there marinara sauce on the ceiling? And I was like, but it tastes good, right? You know, that's me. So I was like, well, I'm going to try the sourdough starter thing. And I did. And then I started making my own yogurt, which I highly recommend. It's really easy. I started making my own granola. I started, you know, doing some different kind of projects with, uh, you know, drawing or, or coloring. So I just was finding ways to make myself happy. And I realized when I talked to my editors, they were too. And so we turned that into a franchise that we call Project Joy, which we still use in the magazine. We launched it in September 
we actually have a, our theme of our issue was changed to be the power of home, to really lean into what better homes and gardens can bring our readers and consumers every month. And that power is the feeling of safety, right? And that feeling of safety relates to also what do you do in your house that makes you happy? So what we're trying to do is identify easy, short projects that anyone can do at any time if they're feeling a little low or un unfettered. They can do these projects to kind of ground themselves, get off of the computer, get off the phone, not be so agitated by the news and make themselves happy. So that's one thing we've been doing. Hmm. That's really interesting. Monique, let me ask you in terms of tapping into what people are looking for in this new environment, probably in their homes. Have you come up with new offerings, new products? Yeah, same. I will, I will echo that, that you know, necessity is the mother invention for sure. And I, I was challenged right away. It's like, what can we do to offer um, new things that people weren't able to come into the store anymore. And, you know, I did a lot of classes out at our property in, in South Austin. And it was like, well, how can we offer that? So we did, we started launching my classes virtually where we put together the kits, such as my living wall class, which is really popular. But there's such an experience about coming into the store and joining people and being together. And I still wanted to have that experience and knowing that people were staying home. So we really curated these kits and did a design video with me and walked people through it, made it really fun and interesting. And they live chat with me. And so people in L.A. could be do it with a family member that was in New York and they're chatting together. Say, hi, mom, you know, so good to do something with you. So we really kind of did that right away. It was like offer all my classes and then extended beyond that. Said, what other kits can we curate? These kits of like make a mini living wall or make a terrarium or one of my new favorite ones is we adorn a little art toy called a money. So you make a little mohawk on this guy or girl and it's kind of offering new ways to kind of be creative and educational in some ways. So that's definitely one of the, the main things that we've done since then. Then I'm excited to carry on after this, honestly. That's great. And sounds like fun, something to try later. Let me ask you, Stephen, I want to pick up on something you said earlier, where you talked about the fact that your magazine comes out three months after you actually do the work to produce it. And I'm just wondering, every business right now is struggling with a great deal of uncertainty. How do you make decisions about how to guess what's going to be happening three months out? With every story idea to give three lenses on it, one lens is when this lands, everything's the same way as it is today. When this lands, everything is much, much worse and like horrific. And then when this lands, everything is back to normal or much better. So we have to look at every story and see how it lands in those three places. So for instance, we normally do a lot of entertaining stories. We've restricted the number of stories we do where we, we don't, we're not showing groups of people together, but we are doing stories where you're cooking a meal for people, we are just not saying whether it's just your family or maybe it's your pod, but we have to really shoot kind of in a way that we can adapt for whatever's coming our direction. And so that's been the main thing is just trying to be very sensitive to it. I write, I write a rather emotional editor's letter. So that's been challenging too, to figure out how to write a letter addressing the reader's from kind of an emotional standpoint and and not get too dark or not um, hit the wrong note. So sometimes I have to excuse myself in the letter and say, I'm writing this in, like I wrote December's in, uh, yesterday. 
it's the last thing we do. So I just said, I'm writing this in October so people know. Because they, they will say, why did you say that? And, and I'm like, well, they, they don't, you know, the readers don't understand how far ahead we have to, to do to print the magazine. So, And digitally, as I said, digitally, Better Homes and Gardens has a big digital and social thing. So, you know, on all the platforms. And there we can be so immediate. So that that's a great spot if I have an idea for something right now that won't, that won't trend three months from now. That's where we put it is on our immediate digital platforms. I know for me and a lot of my friends and family, people are asking themselves, what are the holidays going to look like this December and New Year's? None of us know, but it sounds like you've thought about it more than the rest of us. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> well, what advice do you have as, as we're all trying to think about this and make plans? I, I have no idea. I'm talking, <laughs> about it with, I'm talking about it with a lot of my friends. My, my siblings, my parents are passed away. My siblings live. And, and Monique, I'm actually, I'm from, I went to school at UT Austin, so nice. from Horns, Monique. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, went to, I went to UT and graduated from there. I met my husband there. But, you know, my sister lives there. We know we're not gathering as a sibling, my siblings and all of their, everyone's kind of figuring their own thing out. Me and my friends, my friend family here in New York City, we're just trying to figure out the best way to do it. It's, it is risk management, isn't it, really? Trying to figure out what risk you want to take to be with people. And the longer this goes, I think we're all having to figure out how to be responsible and still take a risk. I guess that's the balancing act. I think that's right. Monique, you must be at the heart of thinking about how to make the most of your space at home. And I'm just curious, what advice do you have for people out there knowing that we're probably going to be here a while longer? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we're working a lot more with people that are officing at home, just surrounding yourself with things that you love, the lo you know, things that you love to look at. And what I find is that the plants are bringing so much joy right now, just to have that living, breathing element inside your home. And a lot of us have been inside a lot and we're not going out and doing, you know, as many hikes or camping trips or traveling and missing that nature element that we're used to getting. And I've just noticed that encouraging people, even if they're a self-professed black thumb, that there are a lot of plants that are uh, easy to maintain that really are great to have on your desk or even in your room or hanging on your wall behind you if you're having a lot of Zoom meetings. It's just something that people are realizing how much more important it is to have a space of your home that is, is surrounded with some things that are bringing life to it. So I think that's key too, Monique. I think nature right now is such a healer for everybody. I am not, I'm an optimist and I love people and I love humankind, but lately, people can be very disappointing, right? We see a lot of disappointing behavior. And I think that draws well-meaning people to places of refuge like nature and, and animals and plants. Particularly, I've found during a, a tense night, sometimes I just want to make sure I turn off that news slew that I might be glued to on TV or social media and go and just watch like a David Attenborough planet earth show and just listen to his voice and watch you know whales and dolphins and stuff and so i think plants are such an accessible part of that for people and what monique is creating for people in their houses is so important because it just brings you joy i'm looking at while i speak i'm looking at house plants around me and and they take our focus away from the human stuff it helps so much to be attached to nature i think during trying times like these i'm just personally taking a lot of 
ideas away <laughs> as someone who is not nearly as as creative and aesthetically talented as, as the two of you are. So thank you for that. Let me just ask about the changes that you have had to make, maybe of necessity now, that you're actually going to take forward when we get out of this. Stephen, why don't we start with you? During the dark part of the pandemic in April here in New York City, I said to my friends and my husband, I said, if you're not changed by this, you're not doing it correctly. It should change you. It should change how we think about ourselves in the world. What it's done for me is, you know, I went to uh, a, a vacation to Costa Rica in that week of March, which was a little bit under the gun. I, I felt like we were like, well, we're okay. It's still in China. And then by the time halfway through the trip, it had started to hit New York City and we rushed back. So I'm still living out of the same suitcase I went to Costa Rica in. And I realized that those clothes that are in my luggage, basically because of Zoom calls and not going to the theater or restaurants, I don't need that much. I don't need as many things as I had. And also, I don't need to rush around as much as I did before. I really want to keep in mind how it feels now so that when things open back up, I don't slip into old ways of rushing around like a crazy person. I want to pay attention to not rushing. I want to pay attention to not having too many things. And I want to pay attention to what's important, which is human relationships and and, and Monique and I would say plants and, uh, and other things. You know, that's my thing. It's like, I just want to make sure I hold on to that feeling of slowing everything down and appreciating things more. Absolutely. I, I agree. I would say that, that I definitely was challenged of like, is this the time to put your best self forward? And, and that is what we all hopefully are doing inside is bringing the best out of ourselves and moving forward, whether it be in a personal sense or in a business sense. I, I wanted to show my staff, to show my clients that I was moving through with a sense of humanity. And I feel like that to me, I want to carry on moving forward. And the way I treat my clients, my coworkers, and how you get treated back. You know, I kind of feel like right now when if people are coming at me and they're just really kind of aggressive with the knees, it's just kind of like, let's pick our battles right now and let's weigh what's really important to get that emotional and to treat each other with respect and dignity, knowing that things are difficult. We're all trying to figure this out. It's time to lift each other up. And I just hope that continues overall, really. I always say with people I work with, relative importance is such a good talent to hone. The idea that you can look at a list of things and figure out what's most important. And we lose that a lot when we're rushing. We lose the sense of relative importance. And right now, the awakening that has happened during the pandemic with social movements and Black Lives Matter and racial injustice, the transformation in my consciousness about systemic racism in America is so different than it was before the pandemic, even though I was studying it before because of what I saw rising up in 2016 with white supremacy. And so I wanted to study that background, even in my own family, and understand it. But it's even broadened more during the pandemic because of the demonstrations and how people are demanding what they deserve. And I think that's what we're going to see more and more of is people asking and demanding for what they deserve and not just taking what they're given. And we need to be there to support it because it's going to be a hard time coming, I do think. And in my neighborhood, I also have to think about the privileges we have that I can sit here and work in a very nice apartment in Queens and work from home. It's just the idea of work from home is such a privilege compared to folks that have to be out front. And so that's why 
you know, the frontline workers and the people that delivered the food and the people that were driving the buses and the subways during the pandemic suffered greatly, the doctors and the nurses and the EMTs. They had to be there interacting with other people. I could shelter in my apartment, you know, and that's luxury I don't take for granted. And before I did, I didn't think about the differences there. I thought about them, but I didn't think about them deeply enough. So I think relative importance, and as Monique was saying, as we move forward, through whatever comes next, whether it's worse or better, I just want to keep looking and rearranging my priorities so that I don't lose sight of what's most important. You've both touched on really important issues, uh, both for your employee base, for more societal issues, for frontline workers, and just looking out for people and knowing that we're all going through something. I think that's that's so important and and it's just a reality for all of us. And I'm just wondering, what would you say is a, is a nice thing that we can do for people who are maybe in need of a little support right now? Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's there's a lot of people that are reaching out to us. And right now with, with teachers struggling so much that people are calling and saying, I just want to get a gift certificate for this teacher. They're, they're having a hard time. For, for me, I see it's really just kind of not only just you know, gifting, but just reaching out, you know, having a, a hello, reconnecting, even though we're all into this technological world and we're probably more on our computers, everybody than ever. I think just going and doing a drive-by or dropping off a gift at someone's porch or, um, or just thinking about someone and, and sending a little happy, if you will, to somebody. For me, I just reminded that reaching out and giving back and giving a little bit more to somebody else is really more fulfilling don't get too bogged down in, in it all that you can't still connect. A hundred percent agree with Monique. I think Monique and I need to go swim at Barton Springs the next time I'm in Austin. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> um, this year, I think everyone should just think about what am I going to do that's extra for the ones I love, even strangers, like in my building, you know, and there's never been a better time to go ahead online, find a cute picture, make a holiday card and send it to people if you don't normally do that. There's never been a better time to buy little tiny little handmade gifts that maybe you send to some friends or hand off to some people, put on your neighbor's doorknob, you know, a bag of clementines, you know, anything to show you care is what we should be doing this holiday, I think, because moving through the darkest part of the months, I think will be challenging for a lot of people, especially people that are alone or people that are, you know, sheltering and kind of, you know, quarantining by themselves or, or it's just gonna be hard for a lot of folks. So I think this is also a good year to, to try to figure out a way to volunteer in a safe way. You know, remember the bumper sticks of practice random acts of kindness. That thing is really, I think, the motto of, of these months coming up for me. I don't want to lecture people, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Perfect note to end on. Stephen, Monique, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. Stephen, wonderful talk with you. Wonderful too, Monique. I'll look you up when I'm in Austin. Please do. Coming up, practical tips and takeaways from our conversation today. I've got some strategies you can implement today to help your business survive and thrive in 2020 and beyond. In times of uncertainty, communication is key. Whether you're a nationwide retailer or run a local business, you still need to keep your customers informed. 
Make sure to update your company website to reflect any changes in operation hours, new offerings, safety protocols, or any other information your customers need to know. And don't forget to include that same information on your Facebook and Instagram business pages as well. We've put together a great COVID-19 resource hub to help your business keep moving forward. I have links in the show notes, or you can visit facebook.com business to learn more. That was a great conversation with Monique and Steven. We touched on so many important topics from adjusting to new home and work-life challenges to larger societal issues. Steven and Monique both discussed business ideas that arose out of the need to keep their customers inspired and engaged during this time. Ideas that they both plan to continue beyond the pandemic. Remember, challenges can often inspire new approaches, which can lead to long-lasting innovation. Stephen also offered up a valuable framework for dealing with uncertainty that you can try in your own life. He says to plan for different scenarios and ask yourself three questions. What would happen if the future is better, worse, or the same? Then come up with solutions for each of those outcomes. Finally, I love the idea that all of us should emerge from this pandemic changed for the better. Most of us have had to take a step back, slow down, and reevaluate what's important. Looking towards the future, let's keep those lessons in mind and navigate life with a little more empathy for those around us. In the next episode, you'll hear from cosmetologist and entrepreneur Stasha Harris, as well as music exec Gary Morella on how they were able to reach wide audiences on Instagram with engaging content and then leverage the momentum to grow their respective brands. You've been listening to Boost My Business, brought to you by Boost with Facebook. New episodes are released every two weeks. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For more information, see the show notes or visit us at facebook.com business. I'm David Fisher. Thanks for listening.